Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League. Brian Peacock here along with Matt Williamson. We're talking top 100 players in the NFL. Our guest today is John Ledyard. You can find his work on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. He's now writing for Pewter Report, covering the Bucks. I know he's got some Steelers knowledge, and you guys have had some Steelers talks in the past, and it's always fun to talk to our guest today, John Ledyard. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Always great getting on the air talking with both of you guys. Absolutely. And and maybe, John, you can describe it because you put out a top 100 players list, but my favorite part of how you did it was it wasn't 1 to 100. It was just a spreadsheet with position group by position group, and I think that's a great way of looking at it, You know, the visual of it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I, what my idea for the summer, I love to do fun summer rankings content and like let's break down the league. You know, it's just a summer's fun time for content because you don't have anything pressing to focus on that you have to write about. So you can relax, take a breath a little bit, watch all kinds of players and uh, diversify your topics a little bit. And so because of that, we I just got together a group of guys that I felt like knew the NFL really, really well. And bunch of us sat down and we were like okay you know as we go through the nfl and we look at we started with a list of 182 players and we were like how do we cut this down to the top 100 players in the league can we do it how it took us about four hours it's it's way more challenging than you think i knew it was oh, going to yeah. be because i did some mock exercises beforehand to prepare myself but it, it was fun but ranking one to 100 I think people get lost in the weeds when you do that. And so that's why we kind of stayed away from that. And we're like, here's the top 100. However you consider positional importance or, you know, day to day, a lot of these guys will be ahead of the other. There's really not much point to one to 100, but just knowing that you're in this collective group and, and tier, that's kind of the point of it. Yeah. And real quick, just so people realize, so you don't lose your mind when your favorite player didn't make it. There's basically 1700 NFL players. So this is the top 117th, you know, like when NFL Network does their top 100, it's a pretty elite crew. You know, you would think 100 is a big number, but there's 1,700 NFL players, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's crazy, the players that don't make the list. And you just sit exactly. there after and you're like, dang, like, I feel right, stupid that he's not on the list. But, you know, the, and then I would even say for the last 20 spots in the top 100, there's probably about 50 names, maybe 60 names you could put in there. And I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd just be like, yep. I mean, it just, so yeah. it really is, it really is, um, you know, really my, we're getting into the minutia when we get to that point in the process because there just are so many good players in the league. And again, BP, if, I, I recommend we just go position by position. What do you think? Yeah, no, I love that. And again, if anybody wants to see it and follow along, Ledyard NFL Draft is where you can find his tweet that has the list of all the players by position. And uh, real quick, John, who else did this with you so people aren't angry just at you when their favorite player is not on the <laughs> right. list? I know Eric Crocker is one of them. He's a good buddy of mine. And I talk to him a lot on the Locked On 49ers show. Yeah, we had Eric Crocker came on for part of it and offered a lot of really good uh, perspective on the defensive backs we were grateful for. Former NFL linebacker Kirk Morrison jumped on and talked linebackers with us for a while. We had Mark Schofield uh, jump on. He writes for a bunch of different places. Uh, He was a really good quarterback breakdown guy. He helped us with the quarterback portion of it. Um, Brandon Thorne and Ted Wynn were on with me with almost the entirety, uh, both right for the athletic. Uh, Brandon writes for a, a couple other places as well. 
Uh, Brandon O-line, D-line perspective, that guy studies like every snap of offensive and defensive linemen every year. So he was crucial uh, to have on with those position groups being really deep. And then Ted just has a great understanding of the league from an individual standpoint and schematic standpoint. Um, So he was great. And then my old uh, podcast buddy, uh, Trevor Sikama, was on as well with us for a good portion. And then he's just fun because he brings the energy and he has strong opinions right away. He comes on. He's like, wow, Fred Warner, put him in there. Put him up in the top one. You know, <laughs> he gets on there and brings the fun. So we had a great time. Yeah, it was a great group. And uh, they did a really good job of helping to break that down. Yeah, I know a lot of those guys pretty well. And if people don't aren't familiar with those names you just mentioned, they should definitely check them out. That is a strong cast of characters doing the voting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know Fred Warner was one of your guys. We'll get to the defensive side of the ball. We got to start offense here really quick. Uh, Here are the quarterbacks you have listed in your top 100 players. Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Breeze, Brady, Dak, and Aaron Rodgers. One name you left out is your Steeler guy, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, it was kind of an easy rationalization to leave Roethlisberger out. And sometimes you don't want to look for cop outs when you're doing this, but sometimes it's like, it's so hard to get a top 100 that you almost you have to kind of look for ways to, to leave guys off when you're when you're getting in this tiny bit of detail for the last couple spots. And, you know, the, honestly, I mean, we didn't have Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, or Matt Ryan on the list. And with Roethlisberger, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we, we have seen Roethlisberger's play dip a little bit in 2018. I know the raw numbers look good, but it, it wasn't his best football. We, we know that there were a lot of turnover-worthy throws and uh, some disaster games. And so 2018 was a little bit of a drop-off. Still good, good quarterback. No reason to think he can't play anything like that. Then 2019, we saw about two and a half games, and it was subpar for Ben. It was below average for Ben. And so we said there's enough of a dip there plus the injury and the uncertainty with what will be coming back that we can justify it because it's just that hard when the top 100, some little things like that, you know, can knock you out when it's a major injury, you know, you can, you consider it a little bit. So that was the reason that we decided to leave him off the list. Yeah. He wouldn't have been on mine either. Believe it or not. I'm mm-hmm. not that much of a Steeler Homer. <laughs> I mean, just cause I mean, like we said, it's the top one, one, one seventeenth. Right. And if he didn't play last year, that really, I would ding those guys heavily. I mean, you have to be a pretty special player that didn't, you know, perform well last year or even see the field very much. Right. And we've got a couple of those too, as we move through yeah, that, that, I'm, that I'm excited to talk about as well. Back to the quarterbacks real quick. Stafford and Ryan are the two I would kind of make a fuss about. But I'm curious, was there any battling at the very top? I mean, I think Mahomes is the chalk pick. He's coming off a Super Bowl. I'm still in the corner that Russell Wilson might be a little bit better at football right this second. Yeah, I think you know, another thing to point out about the about the board is that it's really, although some of the rankings actually end up pretty close to, I don't know how just the first players we thought of, you know, but they're not actually ranked within the positional call. Oh, okay. So, My fault. so it's a, but it, it is still pretty close. I mean, I'd say that Mahomes and Wilson are the best two quarterbacks in the league right now, and they're at the top of our board. So I still actually think most of the tiers ended up in a pretty decent order to represent that. But it wasn't like our intention. We just kind of moved the most obvious names to the top first. And then he just – so some guys like Zach Martin for the guards is down there in the middle. He would be at the top if we were – you know, so there's okay. a couple okay. of that. But Makes that sense. was kind of our thought process. How much did you consider positional value here? Because I could see an argument for a lot more quarterbacks and then, say, fewer running backs or fewer safeties. And there's still not that many running backs. There's only five on this list. 
Right. Yeah. It was, it was actually not really considered. We didn't, we kind of were like, okay, other than excluding fullbacks just because they're not on the field enough for us to be able to compare and specialists for the same reason also, because we can't, we don't have a scout specialist. Um, Other than excluding those guys, we were just going, who's the best players at their positions, period. Um, you know, and if some guys like, you know, nickel corners, they're, and nowadays they're on the field 70, 75% of the snaps. So, you know, some guys just aren't on the field enough for us to know like how elite they are. So that, I guess that would, because their position doesn't see the field that often, that might affect things. But for the most part, yeah, we just eliminated positional value. Um, and so that was another reason why some of these guys don't make the board. Obviously, if you're drafting, you know, the NFL in the top 100 picks in the draft, you're going to have way more quarterbacks than these eight guys. But uh, but we just were like, you know, we're not we're not doing it that way. It's just the best players at their positions, period, regardless of positional value. And so that's the reason why some of these guys didn't make the list. Although I'll add that, Matt, I agree with you about Stafford. He was in my – I did a kind of just went on to the side yeah. and did a little bit of my own top 100 and just switched out a couple of names, and he was he was in mine pretty safely i was i was the one on the show that was kind of pounding the table for him and other people were more interested in Wentz. i think <laughs> yeah i hear you uh real quick on that because i want to get to all these positions so too many of these top 100 lists you see have 20 quarterbacks like if you're the 20th best quarterback you're not one of the top 100 players you know like don't overvalue position right. value i like how you guys did it yep i agree with you completely and it's better than the NFL network version because that one's like two years behind always. And so this one, I think, is a little right. bit more a little right. bit more up to date. So kudos to you guys for that. Only five running backs on the list. McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Nick Chubb, and Alvin Kamara. I think the guy that most people were, were ticked off about that wasn't on this list was that 6'4", 250 running back in Tennessee. Yeah, Derek Henry was absolutely the name out of everybody that didn't make our top 100 that got the most blowback. I don't think that surprised us. Um, you know, Carson Wentz got a good amount of blowback as well. There were a couple others, but we kind of knew that was going to be the case with Derek Henry. But we just kept looking around on the show and asking each other, you know what I mean? Like, we are talking about players that need to be valuable in every facet of the game to make this type of a list. And the reality is that although Derek Henry is a good, pure runner, I don't think he's – I would take – four or five run, pure runners over him, which is fine. Still means he's a really good player. You know, maybe five or six runners, I would say, even over him as pure runner. But then when you add in receiving ability, which is arguably the most important thing, certainly in terms of any metric um, that you would look at, receiving ability is arguably the most important and diverse thing that a running back can bring to the table, as in this trait cannot be replicated with someone I could bring it off the street because it's that difficult to do well, not only to run routes, catch the ball, read coverages, but also what you do after the catch. And that is just not – Derrick Henry just doesn't – he's not on the map in those areas. Like, it's just not a way that he contributes – other than screen, the screen game, you know, it's just not a way that he heavily contributes to an offense. And every back does the screen game. So because of that, it was easy – okay, guys like McCaffrey and Kamara bring that to the table and droves. Barkley, lead at that. Chubb, developing at that. Elliott, when he gets opportunities, has been good at that. And I would say Elliott and Chubb are better pure runners than Henry, in my opinion. So – I did kind of lead the charge on Derrick Henry, and I've been honest about that on Twitter. Like some other guys have been like, you know, this guy, like Stafford, I wanted him, nobody else, you know. But Henry, I was kind of like, do we really think he's valuable enough? So he wouldn't even be the next running back I'd put on the board, to be honest. Like Dalvin Cook didn't make our list, and it, and that's crazy because he might be, in some ways, because he might be the best running back when he's healthy. But he hasn't even been on the field for a full healthy season yet, and he's three years in. He's only played like 28, 29 games Three years in, it was just hard to justify because of how little football he's played. Then how often he's been hurt. Uh, but last year, 14 games, and it was a big step in the right direction. So in my personal list, I put him on just because I think he's that good. But 
I understood some of the guys on the show, their rationalization that he just hasn't been on the field enough. But he impacts the passing game and the rushing game uh, in both of those ways, in my opinion, more than Henry. So he, Henry wouldn't have even been the next back on the list, to be honest. I love what you said there because I think some people might be like, Henry should be ahead of Chubb and or maybe even Cook, who you mentioned. I'd clearly have Cook or Chubb over Henry, and I think every film watcher would agree with you. But let's move on to wide receiver. I think you got the right backs on there. Yes, I want to get to those receivers, offensive line, and the defensive side of the ball coming up with John Ledyard. Are you a do-it-yourselfer like me? Then rockauto.com is your place. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is also a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The thing that stands out to me with wide receiver, there's obvious ones, you know, there's, and this is the biggest list of the, of the entire top 100 yeah. is the wide receivers. And there's the obvious ones, you know, Julio's going to be on there and, and Mike Evans and Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. But I liked seeing some of the more underrated receivers in the league that don't get credit because of various reasons, guys like Allen Robinson and Tyler Lockett making the list. Yeah, so this was uh, probably one of the more hotly contested positions, not only because it's loaded across the NFL, but because there's so much parity right now. You know, you have your clear kind of everybody argues, who, you know, what's the order of these guys and Julio Jones, Mike Evans. I think Chris Godwin's joining that group, but Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and Odell Beckham, except for maybe this past season. And then Amari Cooper and Stephon Diggs maybe moving into that group. Then after that, you know, after those top 10, you really, in some whatever order, you really have a, a bunch of conversations to have. You know, Allen Robinson has been greatly affected by quarterback play, but he's a beast. You know, I mean, he deserves to be in there. Tyler Lockett, you know, when he's on the field and he's been banged up a little bit too, but he was unbelievable last year. And he's flashed that in the past. They should throw the ball more and it affects his some of his numbers. Last year was his first 1,000-yard season, I believe. But I was – I was actually a big proponent of Tyler Lockett and leading the charge for him to be included on the list. Love his game and his skill set and feel like he's an underrated player around the league. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton was a player we all kind of agreed was was a fringe top 100 guy, but it was sure. like, okay, we think he's shown enough. Last season, he was a dominant player at times with questionable quarterback play at times. Drew Lock got in there. He's a rookie, ups and downs. But, you know, I thought those two had a – he just kind of connected with whoever was back there. Um, and Sutton was just producing, you know, they didn't have another receiver. It didn't matter. You know, we factored all that in and, and at his, at his age too, you know, only second season, he cut the drops out. That was his big issue as a rookie. So we thought like we had seen Sutton play at a level that deserved recognition in the top 100 while admittedly not having a huge sample size. Unfortunately, that meant Kenny Galladay didn't have a spot on the list. And that was tough for us because I, I personally found a way to put him into my list 
that I did by myself because I think he's such a good player. And he just wowed me this past year when I watched him. It was the first year I really felt like I'd focused on him. And I just, and he's a big draft miss for me. I didn't see anything special in college and he's become just a really, really good player. So I tend, those guys tend to really stand out to me. And he was a tough one to leave off the list. I really bet Galladay will be on it next year, you know, which is, it takes a while. I mean, but I was glad to see A-Rob on there. I mean, you go from Hackenberg to Bortles to Trubisky. I, I think Allen Robinson is about the most underrated receiver in the league. Yeah, he w- and it honestly wasn't even a big conversation for us. You know, Good. it was kind of like, Allen Robinson, yep, put him up. And that was kind of it. You know, the guys we really conversed on were Thielen, Sutton, and Keenan Allen, who, you know, all really good players. But when you leave guys like Galladay, T.Y. Hilton, and then some of these second-year guys, you know, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, you know, D.J. Moore even, who's, a, you know, going to be a third-year guy. I mean, some of these guys are really exciting and their careers are heading in great directions. You know, it was just a matter of, not having enough spots this year to to take guys with that small sample size. I was wondering if you would even get to four tight ends, and the four tight ends that made the list are Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, and Zach Ertz. Was there a tough conversation about whether or not to put Gronk on the list? Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, so this is the, where it gets interesting. We have we're have this conversation with Gronkowski, a tight end, and then a Trent Williams, an offensive tackle. This was one of the big discussions at the outset of the list was – how are we going to treat players like Gronkowski and even a Trent Williams because they have didn't play last year? You know, Gronkowski actually literally retired. Um, and so how are we going to treat them? Because obviously if they're what they were the year, the last year we saw them on the field, they would be in, you know, it's no question. You know, everybody would put them in. Um, but at the same time, they ha- they weren't on the field last year. So how do we treat that? And do we save ourselves basically two spots by just using that as an excuse, which I would have been fine with. But everybody else on the show seemed pretty consensus that they wanted to use the criteria that, yes, we consider the fact that they weren't on the field last year, but here's the difference with Trent Williams and Rob Gronkowski. And I know Gronk wasn't fully healthy in 2018, still a really good – I just finished watching his tape from that season. He was still really good and effective. Um, you know, I think that even – despite not being 100%. And before that, you know, he was still, I would say, probably one of the best tight ends in the league, maybe not the best in 2018 – before that, every other year of his career was arguably the best player at his position. Trent Williams, same thing. You know, he's ne- we've never seen them be on the field and not play at a dominant level. So because of that, it wasn't like a Ben Roethlisberger situation where we felt like his play had tailed off enough that we could say he wasn't a dominant player anymore. There's no way Ben Roethlisberger would be in the conversation for the best player at his position or like a slight chance, I guess we would say, that Ben Roethlisberger would be in the conversation for best player at his position in 2020. We felt like there's still enough of a chance that Gronkowski and Trent Williams could be in the conversation for the best player at their position this upcoming year because we had not actually seen their level of play fall off hardly at all when they were last on the field. That we were, that when that Brandon Thorne really made this case that he was like, because of that, I feel like they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And we don't want to look back on this list and say, you know what, Gronkowski was the top 30 player in the league this season because it was vintage Gronk. The year off did him well. He's healthy. He's playing with Tom Brady. They've got all these weapons. He's producing like crazy. He's going to the Pro Bowl. You know, we don't want to look back and be like, man, we just left him off the list because he didn't play the year before. You know, we wanted to actually see them fall off on the field to some degree before we left them off the list. That was our rationale. I like it. Yeah, I got no problems with that. And we're not going to have time here to get to much Bucks conversation, but this leads into a question I have. Is it, is it going to be all two tights going on in Tampa Bay? Are we going to see some three wide receivers and see a little jitterbug slot guy out there? What's that offense going to look like? Yeah, I just wrote an article about this actually on Monday. 12 personnel is going to be big. 
uh, in Tampa Bay this past season. I interviewed and talked to Greg Cosell uh, from NFL Films uh, about it, ESPN about it. And man, I mean, he had some great insights on what that's going to look like in Tampa Bay. You know, three by one sets, they'll put the tight end backside. They may put another one in the slot on the trip to the trip side. You're going to have a lot of fun stuff in Tampa Bay with the tight end. And a lot of people don't know this because they think Bruce Arians hates tight ends for some reason. But the Bucks actually last year were the eighth most team in the NFL in terms of 12 personnel usage. So they love two tight end sets. They love running the seams with their tight ends. Brady loves 12 personnel. He's made a living off of it before. He loves seam running tight ends and throwing the seam ball. And, you know, Cosell talked about those firm touch throws down the seam being exactly what Brady loves and what Arians loves. So I think you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel in Tampa. I think they'll be second to the Eagles maybe in the NFL in 12 personnel usage this season. And I think you're going to see – I think O.J. Howard is was on his way in 2018, got hurt. 2019 didn't come in in his best condition and then didn't had to learn uh, the offense, I think. And that took a while. But I think you're going to see Ian Gronkowski both have big years. So you're drafting Howard over Brate in your fantasy leagues? Oh, yes, yes. No doubt about that. I would have last two seasons probably too. And he's been better. He's outproduced him in yards per target, yards per catch isn't even close. Yeah. Okay, we got to move quickly through the offensive line because I want time to get to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, offensive tackle, Tyron Smith, Teron Armstead, Ronnie Stanley, David Bakhtiari, Mitchell Schwartz, Ryan Ramchick, Lane Johnson, Lyle Collins, and Trent Williams. Maybe Collins is the only one I could see there being a huge argument, and then I don't even know who I would argue to be on that list if not him. Yeah, um, Lyle Collins was the one that I was like, man, I didn't have him on my list originally as I was going through, and I really relied on Brandon Thorne for this one. He was adamant. Collins was a lock for him because he said Leal Collins was maybe the best run-blocking offensive tackle in the NFL last season mm. and was really good and really improved in pass protection, and he didn't think it was right to leave somebody off who was the best player in you know, one of the two areas that really matter for their position. So I thought that was a good point. I trust a lot of what he says. I saw and I knew Leal Collins was greatly improved this past season. I, you know, I probably wouldn't have by myself put him in there, but listening to Brandon state the case and trusting him the way that I do and knowing how much he studies these guys and, and understands their game was a big factor in putting Collins in there uh, because I think he argues that you know Collins probably made as big a leap as any offensive lineman in the league last season uh, from his play in 2018. So that deserved some recognition given how he played in 2019. We'll see if he can sustain it now. And 12 interior offensive linemen, only nine offensive tackles. Is that because it's an easier job? And when you're an offensive tackle and you screw up, it's more magnified? Uh, maybe some of that, but I think more than anything, it was because uh, the interior offensive line, you know, you're talking about representing three position groups. And so you've got, you know, what three times 32 going around the league, a gist of starters. And so it's just, You've got more players to choose from, too, which which helps. Uh, but there's also a lot of older guys in this interior offensive line group. So it, we're going to need young guys around the league to kind of step up and replace some of these guys because, you know, Brandon Brooks is, is getting older, but you've got the center position, Rodney Hudson, Jason Kelsey, Alex Mack. Those guys are all, you know, 31, 32, maybe older at this point. And while they're all still playing well, you know, we already heard retirement whispers for, I think, maybe all three of them this past season. Even if there was nothing to them, you know, that time is coming at some point. So those were the only three centers that make the list until Brandon Thorne left a passionate plea for Marquise Pouncey out on the floor <laughs> late in the process. A lot of people saw this list and think I was a homer and put Pouncey in here, but I was actually against Pouncey. He did not make my personal top 100. Uh, I do think Pouncey's a really good player. I just felt like last year was not good enough to be included in this group. A, a clear drop-off for me, and I wouldn't have put him in the top 
three or four centers in the league before that, you know, even though I think he's, he's a really good player. Um, so I got voted down on that one, but I still think, you know, the list as a whole, everybody else really, you know, wasn't a ton of conversation. I think Roger Saffold is a name that some people were surprised by because he and Kevin Byer were actually the only Titans to make the list. And I think a lot of people would have bet on it being Derek Henry and Taylor Luan. Um, and Saffold was just, <laughs> he was just dominant last year. Brandon was passionate about Saffold's inclusion in the list and how well he played in the, in the Titans run game. He was a huge part of Derek Henry's success. And I agreed with him on that. So that's why he was included. You mentioned the old centers. I'm not going to say it's a golden age of centers, but the last decade or so, there's been five to 10 really strong ones, you know, put together really strong, maybe Hall of Fame like careers. Yeah. And, and Frank Ragno is the guy we looked at in terms of is he ready to be in this list? Maybe not yet, but I would bet a lot of money that next year Frank Ragnow's on this list. And uh-huh. some of those guys are maybe even stepping away from the game. And Ragnow is the next guy to look at is, you know, kind of center one in the NFL with a lot of these guys getting older. I'm definitely taking a W on the Ragnow evaluation. I loved him in the draft, and, and everyone was shocked except for me that he was drafted in the first round. I love me some Ragnow. I, I love him as well, yeah. Yeah, there, there are a lot of older interior offensive linemen now that you mentioned it. Incognito, yeah. and DeCastro right. is not young anymore. So uh, interesting. That's going to have a lot of turnover when you look at that list in a couple of years. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball next. Folks, we've told you a lot about Built Bars. It's a protein bar that really tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors, and eight of them are chocolate and nut-free flavors. So they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are super healthy as well. They're great for the health-conscious guy or lady or whomever. Uh, lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. So go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code Locked On. And you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on, all one word, for $10 off at builtbar.com. You'll be happy about it. I actually want to start on the back end. More safeties than cornerbacks. Uh, Matt mentioned the golden age of centers. And I'm thinking, man, there are so many great safeties around the league. You think about paying a guy like Jamal Adams, who is obviously on your list. And it's tough because who's going to give up a first round pick? and more, and then pay him $17 million a year when almost every team has pretty good safeties already. And, John, I often say about the safeties that I think Derwin, Minka, and Adams are going to be this generation's Troy and Ed. And But there's so many other ones that on here that aren't household names that absolutely should be. The Byards of the world and Simmons and these guys, they're really a good group. Right. Yeah. It was honestly, I think one of the biggest surprises to everybody else when we got to putting the safety group down on paper, it was just like, man, this group is loaded with good players. It's hard to, and we, you know, because positional value is not, you know, even though I think safety is a really valuable position too, I'll add that, but you know, some people would have argued for more pass rushers or corners instead, you know, quarterbacks for sure and cutting some of the safeties, but how, how do you make a top 100 and leave these guys off the way they've been playing football lately, you know? And so it is a great group. Um, there was good discussions on a lot of these guys uh, in terms of how many we wanted to have on the list. Uh, my one thing that I had to say about Jamal Adams, even though he was a lock to make the list, um, and with the trade rumors and all that, was that Jamal Adams is a fascinating player to study because he's not really used like any other safety in the NFL. Other than Chuck Clark and Baltimore, nobody even comes close to blitzing as much as Adams does. And he plays around mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. He's in underneath zones and kind of stuff like that. He, you know, he's in, When he's in deep zones, if you watch Jamal Adams – 
you know, as a, in a two high shells and he's hardly ever as a single high free safety, he does not make a lot of plays on the football down the field. That's not really his strength. And that is arguably what I value most at the safety position is the ability to make plays on the ball and cover in deep zones, because that kind of, you know, that to me is the type of player that's least replaceable. So I think he's a really good player for what the Jets ask him to do. I don't know that he'd ever be dominant at what Minka was asked to do in Pittsburgh last season. And I feel like that is the more valuable skill set to have as a safety. Now he's done a good job. There's just fewer of them. There's not many single highs. Right. There's not a lot of those guys. And so because of that, you're already limiting yourself a little bit in that way. But all the other thing about Adams is that he, he only, you know, he's about league average, maybe a little below average league wise in terms of snaps in the slot. So you're not even seeing him matched up in man coverage very often with anybody tight ends or, or wide receivers. I've seen some reps against tight ends. I think he does a pretty good job for the most part, but only 70 some snaps last year in that role and that capacity per PFF. So it becomes tough to say he does any of the most valuable things at safety while also recognizing he does things other safeties do don't do, you know, at an elite level in in terms of pass rushing, blitzing, playing the run, playing anything in the flats and his effort and his run to the ball is insane to watch. I mean, he makes so many plays and tackles that are far away from him because he just never stops moving. So culturally there's a lot that he adds to a team and he's obviously a good player, but when you talk about making him the highest played player in his position and giving up a first and a third for him, that's definitely where I draw the line with a player like that personally. Yeah, I hear you saying. You know what's crazy is the the stat I saw from PFF that if you you know if you didn't consider the sample size, Jamal Adams is one of the better pass rushers. Period. Not for a defensive back, but pass rushers in the league with his pass rush win rate. Such a unique player. Yeah, and it's no joke when you watch him on tape either. I mean, he dips around guys, offensive linemen. He has speed to power. He's crazy to watch. It's a very He's a very unique player. It's hard to compare him to even Minka Fitzpatrick because they do totally different things. I mean, their roles could not have been more different this past season. So great player in what he does. I just think there's some other safeties that do more valuable things at their position that I'm not sure Adams could do if he was asked to. And this is a much longer, bigger conversation, and we don't have time for it, but I just want to throw it out there that – there's a much different blitzers versus pass rushers is they're not the same thing from the second and third level. And Adams is a pass rusher. You don't find many of those. Right. Yep. Super unique in the way that he's deployed. And speaking of pass rushers, I want to spend some time on the front seven. So I don't want to talk really much about cornerbacks. I think it's pretty obvious list there. It's like the, the ones you would consider with the potential or already have been shut down guys. Matt, do you see anything you want to quibble with, with the cornerback list? No, not so much. I, I like Jari Alexander being on that list. Uh, I don't know that he gets the recognition that he always deserves, and I think Marlon Humphrey's an easy one on that list. Although I kind of see him at the bottom. Not sure if that was if he was a borderline guy or not. He was, yeah. Marlon Humphrey was a board, one of the last guys we put in there. One of the big things is penalties. He's one of the most penalized corners ah. in the league, and, and and he does give up big plays too. He also makes a lot of big plays, kind of a splash play, a little bit of give and take there for him. But I mean, I. I am a huge Marlon Humphrey fan. First round grade on him coming out, and he was a big hit for me. And so I, I'm a huge fan of his, so I'm glad we got him on the list. So rewind to the 2018 draft. John, I want to give you an opportunity to take a victory lap on Fred Warner because you actually turned me on to Fred Warner. I started watching him, watching him, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this guy? He was so good in that overhang position at BYU, showed so much instincts and range, and he just walks right into a starting role and with the green dot on his helmet in San Francisco and has been one of the more underrated linebackers in the league since. 
Yeah, I mean, every time I take a victory lap with Warner, I got to take a loser lap for Darius Leonard. And so there's some give and take there. For <laughs> sure. But I, I loved Warner because I did think his tape at BYU was really exciting, but he didn't play off the ball. He played overhang, you know, he would drop into like, you know, hook zone coverages and play that type of a role. So I, although I loved a lot of what I saw there in terms of ball skills and coverage feel, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I have no idea how he's going to play as an actual stacked linebacker. And so the senior bowl was huge for me in that because I got to see him and study his tape re- making reads as an off-ball linebacker, played the Mike and the Will there. And so I could see him process things and fly up into gaps and play aggressive downhill football like he'd done it his whole life. And that's what sold me. And I wrote an article, I don't even remember where I was writing at the time, but I wrote an article about it then because it stood out to me so much like, this guy has these instincts that you talk about at the linebacker position. And, you know, it was just small sample size, but, you know, it turns out he ended up being a pretty good football player so far. So he made the list uh, on the pleas actually of Trevor Sekimo when he joined the show. And then I was also a big proponent for Warner as well, but we hadn't even really gotten around to discussing him. And, and Trevor was pretty adamant about his inclusion. So um, he was one of the later names added in probably somewhere in the 85 to 100 range, but, I feel like his career trajectory says he's deserving the list. Also, there's not very many good linebackers in the NFL right now, at least. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like the running back conversation. You've got to be good in the passing game, too. And so that's what this list has on there with Bobby Wagner, who's been one of the better cover guys for his entire career, even though he's getting up there in age, might not be quite what he was, that he joins uh, Kendricks, Leonard, uh, Levante David and Demario Davis. Okay, defensive line, the last group. I'm going to run through the names here, and then we'll get some thoughts. And, and Matt, you can chime in if you want. Aaron Donald, Cam Hayward, Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, Grady Jarrett, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Clark, Calais Campbell, Akeem Hicks, and then on the edge, it's Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Joey, and Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Cam Jordan, T.J. Watt, Danell Hunter, Frank Clark, Zadarius Smith, and Demarcus Lawrence, the edge group, the biggest of the defense. Real quick, it amazes me. Every team has like two of these type of guys. You know, like there's so many good defensive linemen in the league that I bet there's another 20 on the honorable mention list. Like if you don't have two, you know, these war daddy dudes, you're you're behind the times. Right. Yeah, This so the defensive tackle group, the interior guys, were actually a pretty easy group for us to put together. Donald, Hayward, Cox, Chris Jones, Grady Jarrett, all locks, Buckner, Clark, uh, they were locked as well. Little discussion of Clias Campbell because of his age. And, you know, he might fall off this season, but until it happens, we're just going to have him on the list. Um, Akeem Hicks was the only guy we really kind of waited until the end to put on there. Injured this past season, has been a really good player. Has he been a dominant player? You know, Brandon really pushed hard for him because he knows, talking to offensive linemen around the league, how much they respect Akeem Hicks. Um, really just a feared player and a well-respected player. But DJ Reader got a lot of consideration as well. Um, felt like, you know, Jarrell Casey got some consideration, Geno Atkins best days, maybe past him at this point. And so, you know, there was, it wasn't as difficult a list as the edge group. That group was, I mean, <laughs> there's so many. We, yeah. We went back and for Frank Clark and, you know, Zadarius Smith never in the world would he have made this list until this past season. It's a one year sample size. How much do we value it? But it was so good. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was one of the best defensive players in all football this past season. And, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, super low sack numbers, like five or six sacks last season. But how do we compare that? Does he deserve to make this list? Well, his pressure rates are great, and he's a dominant defensive player. And another guy that Brandon said, all his conversations with offensive linemen around the league, they think Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best players in the NFL. And so, you know, that respect that we knew that he garnered, you know, how much consideration did that make? And at one point, we had Melvin Ingram in there and took him out and put Frank Clark in. And, 
Yannick Ngakwe was considered a lot, uh, a lot of fans of his in the group too. And then Shaq Barrett, I mean, it was, an, it was kind of the Zadarius Smith conversation of, okay, you know, Shaq Barrett's only been good for one season, but he led the league in sacks and he had 19. Right, and right. How do you keep him off? And his pressure rates weren't as good. And, you know, he's older. So it was kind of like, okay, you know, we, at this point, till this point, he hadn't really done anything, although his chances weren't that great either in Denver. So it was kind of like wanting to see him do it again, but it was hard to leave him off the list. It just felt weird. Wouldn't you be shocked if Chase Young isn't on this list next year? I'd be pretty shocked, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I guess rookie, but and it's a deep group, but I still think he makes it. Yeah, it's an elite crew. Yeah, and it, you mentioned the the one-year wonder guys, and it's tough because Nick Bosa, obviously a rookie, but had one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. So obviously right. I think you have to add him to the list because he was already deserving of it, and you can see a trajectory where he's going to go in his career, and it'd be shocking if he's not continually, continually on this list. But yeah, the 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 argument with sacks versus production is important and so it's why i like a service like pro football focus especially with line play because they're charting some things that you're not going to see as as a the, a lot of fans overlook that you're not going to see in the regular old box score right yeah and that was a big factor for us with the consideration of a couple of these guys um you know zadarius smith and nick bosa you mentioned both kind of one-year wonder guys in some ways but uh, what I'll say about Bosa, obviously, he was so dominant as a rookie and already came in with a pedigree that we expected it. So I don't think it was like out of nowhere. Oh, can he do it again? Like, you know, this was not surprising. You know, Bosa was so good. The second pick in the draft. It's like Chase right. Young. Right. You know, right. Like it or not, psychologically, we're given some benefit. You know, we're like, okay, this guy's, you know, we expected this. He deserves to be in this list because of the pedigree. Zadarius Smith was good before the season, but not a top 100 type player and certainly not in the caliber of player that he was this past season. So we felt like that's what moves Adarius in over Shaq Barrett, who was kind of just like a third or fourth pass rusher before the season. You know, Zadarius had been at least good until before the season. And so then vaulted himself into, you know, an elite tier this past year uh, where we felt like Barrett was just kind of like nothing and then awesome this past year. And so that was a difference maker for us. That is John Ledyard. You can get mad at him for all of those rankings <laughs> at Ledyard NFL Draft. And John, I'm excited. Maybe we can talk again right about the time of the Niners Bucks NFC Championship game. Yeah, absolutely, guys. That'd be that'd be a blast. I would be down for that. Uh, you know, I don't know what the Saints will have to say about it, but I guess you know, the refs may have something to say about it for them. So we'll see. Thanks again to John Ledyard. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow, Twitter Thursday. Get those questions into me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Tag Matt at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.